in the grand scheme of things of pro wrestling, people will always gravitate towards the ones who work their ass off and worked from the ground up, the underdog, as opposed to the one with a family dynasty behind their name. Uh, my hat is like a shark yeah. What is up, people? This is The Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams, coming at you from Santa Clarita, California. We got a lot to get done tonight, so without further ado, let's dive on in because we got hell in a cell around the corner. So, people, without further ado, it's time for a feeding frenzy. You're going to need a bigger boat. Look, the first time when it was in New York, you had that excuse for why the crowd was still cheering for Becky Lynch as opposed to booing her, despite the heel turn that took place at SummerSlam. However, while, albeit, Toronto can also be kind of a smart mark kind of area, and the same kind of thing happens just like in New York, Philadelphia, or Chicago. However, in the same token, it, you can't say something is a fluke or a freak occurrence back-to-back. It just doesn't work like that. So in this case, that's why I'm saying, as of this moment, Becky Lynch's heel turn is a bust. Because guess what? The crowd is not cheering for Charlotte. They're still cheering for Becky, even though she laid out uh, Charlotte after her match with Carmella again and said at Hell in a Cell she's taking back her title and even added the words to, to Charlotte... You bitch. So needless to say, people like the aggressive Becky. They like that she's now like this last kicker 2.0 or last kicker on steroids. The bottom line is, you miscalculated WWE. You thought that the right call was to turn Becky Lynch heel and it's blown up in your face. Right now, (laughs) Charlotte is getting heat, well given, not on those levels, but she's basically the female Roman Reigns right now, where no matter what she does, the crowd is not going to cheer for her, and they're not going to boo Becky Lynch, who's, let's, let's face it, in terms of reactions, she's basically the Daniel Bryan, and by that I mean, no matter what she says, no matter what she does, they're not going to boo her. And saying that, did did you really support her, or did the fans ever truly back her? Here's a newsflash. Saying that, and having her dump on the fans, that is almost more absurd than when Taker turned heel during the American Badass days and said that nobody respected him, when the truth was everybody respected The Undertaker. That's what made that whole heel run stupid. And that's why this heel run is stupid, because she's claiming the fans never supported her, yet they've done nothing but support her. And myself included. Honestly, look, I got nothing against Charlotte in terms of her ring skills. And frankly, I don't relish the idea of Charlotte as a heel, just because I find 
I found Charlotte in her last heel run to be boring. And it's not so much that she was bad, it's just the fact that in terms of when she gets heat from the crowd, she doesn't have the thick skin that her old man did. Her old man was notorious for it and never let the crowd get to him. Unfortunately, Charlotte doesn't have that. That's her problem. And and unfortunately for her right now is that, you know, getting back to, actually, getting back to what I said, excuse me, is that I have nothing against Charlotte as a wrestler, but if it's between her or Becky Lynch, I'll choose Becky Lynch in a heartbeat. Becky worked her tail off. Oh, who am I kidding? Tail, what am I saying? She worked her ass off from the get-go. Even when WWE was in NXT, making her do an Irish jig in her entrance. Even when you had her doing an Irish jig or Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance, whatever the heck you want to call it. When she was doing that, she was still working her ass off and then eventually turned heel. And honestly, to this day, I still feel like um, when it was her versus Sasha, I still feel like Becky got gypped in that one, and she should have held that belt at least once. But in terms of favorite of the female wrestlers right now for this generation, if I had to pick a top three, it's not Charlotte. She doesn't make the cut. Alexa Bliss makes the cut. Sasha Banks makes the cut. And honestly, I will go as far as to say, Becky Lynch hits the top. She's the top of the top three for me. She's that triad. And I think what is always, why I've always liked Becky Lynch is consistency. She's all, you could always count on her to be just balanced in the ring. And she may not talk a lot, but she talks enough and says enough to get the job done. And in-ring skill, you can't, you can't you can't critique her on that one or you can't say anything bad about her cuz she is good she is that good in the ring and for for me I'm one of those guys that always likes consistency with with whether in anything that I watch or any one that I'm watching so WWE you made a real mess with this You've had back-to-back weeks where the crowd is just not booing Becky. You need to fix this, and you need to fix this fast, because right now, you've made an awful mess of this, and this is only going to lead to disaster. Alright, next topic. Speaking of bad heel turns, the big question everyone's wondering right now, is Braun Strowman a heel? Now, there's a lot of ways you could look at it. Did he join Ziggler and Drew McIntyre to even the odds against the Shield? Maybe. Was this just payback for when they laid him out last week? Maybe. But here's the thing. If you wanted to maintain... And this goes both ways. If you wanted Braun to maintain as a face, you should have had him lay out both Ziggler and McIntyre afterwards. And in the same token, if you were truly wanting him to be a heel, then why 
did you have him give up his hell on a cell or his briefcase for money in the bank to cash in at hell in a cell? You could have just as easily had him beat the living tar out of out of Roman Reigns, out of Rollins, out of Ambrose, and then cash in money in the bank. That would have been a heel move if you really wanted him to be a heel. Is WWE really this desperate to where they want to dampen the reaction that Braun Strowman gets because the reaction he gets is the one they want Roman Reigns to get, but that's just not going to happen? You want to talk about WWE setting themselves up for disaster here. That is also... That's about as much of a mess as it gets. And I'm worried that if by the time they realize they're back on the wrong horse and they have something with Braun Strowman, that it'll be too late, then I'm worried that it's just going to do some pretty bad damage to Braun Strowman. Now, next topic. Undertaker versus Triple H for the Super Show at in Australia. Advertised as for the last time ever. But here's my question. Did anyone really want that match? I mean, I was content after the Hell in a Cell match that those two had. I just don't think that there's any real reason other than, yeah, Triple H has never beaten Taker. But even if Triple H beats him now, so what? Bragging rights? You're you're beating a guy that, for all intents and purposes, is in the twilight of his career. And you're expecting that to be some kind of accomplishment? You didn't beat Taker when he was at his fullest. And that is going to be the asterisk, even if you do have Triple H win the match. But there really is no real reason for this, other than nostalgia, and frankly, nostalgia is, to me, is kind of like the trash. It's kind of like the trash. Eventually, it starts to get stale and stinks after a while. So, no. For me, I'm over nostalgia because it's only a short-term solution, not a long-term solution, and WWE needs to cut back and hit the brakes on nostalgia before it ends up costing them, and really, it's going to get to the point where anytime you try to throw pull some kind of nostalgia move, you're just going to, instead of having cheers or boos, you're just going to have people groan or change the channel or walk out. Okay, maybe that last part's a little extreme, but I'm just saying that you can't rely on nostalgia forever, especially when you're trying to build for the future. And that, people, is the feeding frenzy. Yeah, that's the new sound that I'm introducing for in-between segments. So, or at least the end of the segment. So, like I said, I'm always trying something new and trying to evolve on this show. So with that being said, let's go let's go into the next segment. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the mic drop. Let the battle commence! I don't know about the rest of you, but from what I saw on Raw this past Monday with the Revival versus the B team, it seems there may be a revival in store for the Revival. 
because we saw them win in a in a non-title match over the B team and even held up the belts and basically have called their shot that they're looking to take the titles from the B team. I'm all in favor of this. I mean, Dash and Dawson have had injuries set them back greatly. And now I feel like maybe they're finally... They finally found their their groove again. And we're going to see something special for tag team wrestling with the Revival. And you know what? I definitely see them taking the, t- the titles from the B team. I mean, even everyone knows the B team can't hold those belts forever. But... I want to see this lead to something for the Revival, because frankly, as good as the B-Team is, and I'm happy for Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, you need some competition. And and I've said this numerous times, every champion is only as good as the competition they have. But have it establishing the Revival as legit contenders, I'm all in favor of it. Next topic, speaking of tag teams... It looks like Rusev Day, Aiden English and Rusev, are now set, could possibly have a tag title run in the future. I mean, well, first they gotta win their triple threat tag team match this week, this coming week, and then they have to beat the bar to get the title shot at New Day. Uh, Again, I'm all in favor of this. I mean, whether you like it or not, you gotta admit... Rusev Day has actually taken off, and it's added a new layer to Rusev, and it's given something for Aiden English to do. Because, let's face it, after the villains were split because Simon Gotch got his stupid ass fired, everybody thought Aiden English was just inches away from a pink slip. But, this seems to be working for him for right now, and we've seen New Day as the tag team champions before, having the bar hold the tag titles again, and, I mean, we've seen them in New Day fight before, so it's nothing new. Give us something new. I mean, will it work? Will it not? Who knows? It's always a crapshoot when it comes to new, but it's still something that's worth trying, and you've gone this long with Rusev Day, might as well see how much further you can take it with the tag team titles on those two. And lastly, Kevin Owens. After failing to beat Seth Rollins and walk out of Toronto with the Intercontinental title, he sat in the ring and finally said on the microphone, I quit. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean he's leaving, that he's done? Is he going to be repackaged? Is he going to SmackDown? I don't know. But honestly, I think that Kevin Owens has too much talent to let go to waste. And I think that we will see something for the, come out of this. Whether it'll work or not, I don't know. It's still too early to tell. But at this point for Kevin Owens, you can only go up from here. And as much as I enjoy him and Sami Zayn in matches, you can't have those two fighting all the time. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the mic drop. Alright, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. This is Brian H. Waters, co-host of The Wrestling Realm and the host of Break It Down with Brian H. You're listening to The Shark Attack with Sean Williams. 
Alright, thank you for that, Brian H. Waters. Make sure you check out Break It Down with Brian H. on Podbean, SoundCloud, and on iTunes. And, of course, check check out The Wrestling Realm on YouTube. And, without further ado, let's get into the next segment. This, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll probably come up with a different name at some point, who knows. But in the meantime, this is t- this is the time where we question authority. Who's in charge over there? This is aggravating me now. What, I can't count on you people? So let me ask this. Is the ascension, or is the word ascension translation for glorified jobbers in wrestling? I mean, we saw the ascension take on Bobby Lashley in a, ha- in a handicap match as made by acting general manager and frankly, waste of airtime, Baron Corbin. And they just get (laughs) demolished by Bobby Lashley. So, seriously, what the heck is the point of even having them on? I mean, they were dominant, I guess, in NXT, but now all of a sudden, they're just nowhere close to being what, what they were during that time. So, I don't know what's going on with the Ascension. I feel like they've just... Maybe they pissed off the wrong people. I mean, acting like Legion of Doom, which, as I said in On the Shark Attack group, <laughs> oh, what a bust. Now, in other... Next topic. Why? Why is AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe at Hell in a Cell not in Hell in a Cell? Are you really telling me that you're just going to have it be a regular match with no stipulation whatsoever and not in that cage? Are you kidding me? With how personal that thing's getting and with how Samoa Joe is just poking and prodding at AJ and crossing every line he can think of, you're really going to tell me you're not going to give them a rematch where the gloves are off and they can just beat the holy hell out of each other. Are you really expecting me to believe that that's what you're going to do? I mean, look, unfortunately, there's no way that match is going to main event Hell in a Cell, although it oughta. But it's not going to happen as long as Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman are colliding over the Universal title. Because WWE is so hell-bent to try and make us forget um, AJ Styles and remember Braun Str- or remember Roman Reigns. Unfortunately... That's not going to happen. Why? (laughs) Because unlike Roman, people actually like and respect AJ Styles. And Roman Reigns is not and will never be a wrestler the caliber of AJ Styles. Just, there's no way it's going to happen. No matter how hard you try to push that guy, WWE, it will never happen. And last topic is Baron Baron Corbin... As I mentioned earlier, he reminds me of why I'm sick of the corrupt authority figures in wrestling. And, for the most part, authority figures in general. Now, there are some exceptions to that rule. And, in one example, Paige. She's not always there. Doesn't have to be. And even when she shows up, it's kept to a minimum. And, William Regal, same thing. He's not always on NXT. But, kept to a minimum and is more neutral than face or heel. The whole corrupt boss thing has been done to death. 
whether it was Eric Bischoff or Vince McMahon, and unfortunately, Stephanie and Triple H. It's stale, it's old, it's as lifeless as an empty pizza box. Let's face it, this, at this point, I mean, look, Kurt Angle couldn't have been the GM forever, but at least do something to where we don't have to see an authority figure every night. I mean, the, what I saw with Baron Corbin was just more of the typical crap with just throwing his weight around and doing whatever the heck he wanted and knowing he could get away with it. And frankly, that gets old. That gets boring. And if you're that worried about Monday Night Football kicking your, kicking your asses every week, WWE, then you need to re-strategize what you're going to do because right now your flagship show <laughs> looks like it's sunk faster than the Titanic after an iceberg and that ladies and gentlemen is question authority alright so <laughs> I'm starting to get the hang of that soundbite already so once again from one to another going to take a look at certain certain things that I well one segment I saw last week that took place on Impact, that bothered me a little, which also fell in line with there are certain things I just don't have a taste for in pro wrestling. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what we like to call shark fiction. For the most part, I've enjoyed watching LAX, Santana, and Ortiz, along with Conan, taking on the OGs, or aka the original LAX, Homicide and Hernandez, with King, aka Eddie Kingston, at the helm. Then last week, they had to do something really, really stupid. And by that, I mean they had Conan, along with the little kid, along with Santana and Ortiz, walking to walking when King, Homicide, and Hernandez speed up in a car and allegedly run over the little kid. Given the cutaway was sloppy as hell, and you could easily see it was fake, obviously. They're not going to re really run over a kid. But the fact that you did it, and using an example of gang violence to me, it doesn't set well with me. And I've seen plenty of bad things in wrestling. I've seen... I've seen the infamous Kate Vick angle. I've seen when they had random nobodies impersonate politicians. I've seen when they had the Three Stooges on Raw. The list goes on. And of course, let's not forget all the Tiger Ali Singh bits. And, of course, let's just, well, again, the list just goes on and on. And, oh yeah, everything with heel Michael Cole. 
So, I've watched plenty of bad things take place in pro wrestling, especially in WWE, that made me just want to put my fist through a TV. But, running over a little kid, even even if it was part of a storyline, that's just stupid, tasteless, and weak. And, I wish I could say I expected better out of them, but... It's TNA, and yeah, I know they call themselves Impact, but until they actually do something that's Impact-worthy, they're still just TNA to me, just with a lower budget, and it's a miracle they're staying afloat the way they are. And, I don't know, I don't call having to center themselves in Canada to be successful. So, sorry TNA, you get a fail for that segment. And I chalk that up on the list of bad ideas. Just, actually, yeah, I would put that almost below the infamous Pepper the Hardcore Dog angle that WWE did with Al Snow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is shark fiction. Alright, actually breezing through things quicker than I thought, thought I would. Real quick before I get into the next segment, found out that the last episode that I did that centered on SummerSlam and the aftermath from that, that it was the most downloaded episode that I've sent of both this show and Variety Bites since I came back to doing this. So to all those who have downloaded and listened, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, and I'm hoping that I can continue to give you guys more to listen to and give you more good stuff to come all right that being said let's go to the last segment of the night this is this is also not only my own ex, my own opinions but of course stuff from you guys in the in social media this is from the mouth of the shark smile you son of a bitch all right first poll that i did if Braun fails to cash in at Hell in a Cell, would you guys would you guys call giving him the briefcase a fail? And majority of you guys, last I saw it was three yes and one no. So overall standing on that one is that that yes, you would consider you would consider giving him the briefcase a fail. Here's the reason why I brought that that one up is because I just feel like if he was not going to have a successful cash-in, what was the point in giving him the briefcase in the first place? Because I guarantee you, you could have given it to anybody else, and it probably would have been more reasonable and more logical to let them cash in. And I just thought at that time, Braun Strowman didn't really need it, but and also that he was too obvious a choice during that match, but... Nevertheless, he got it, and we'll just have to wait and see on whether or not he actually cashes in the and gets the belt. Next topic, according to the poll. Braun cashing in hell, at Hell in a Cell, does he walk out with the title? And last I saw, it was it was actually a landslide. Eight, eight people that voted in said no, and nobody said yes on this one. And, you know... I don't know. I feel like if he was going to do it, if it was going to be at a marquee pay-per-view, and I don't think this is going to be it. And I'm worried that WWE is still hell-bent on 
having Roman Reigns go long-term until WrestleMania. God help us all if that's the case. Now, got a few questions here. First one is from my good friend Patrick, where he says, Do you see a future as a, as a road agent for Matt Hardy in the WWE? I do. Look, nobody can do that line of work forever. And it was only a matter of time before Matt Hardy's body caught up with him. And look, he's got one hell of a career, and look, the broken, woken, however you want to call it, and the whole delete, delete, delete. He made that thing work. I don't know if anybody else could have. But in terms of working backstage as a producer, you know what? Why not? He's been in this business long enough. He has the same mentality that most guys in the locker room do. So in all honesty, I could see him having success with that. And of course, I remember my, my good friend Brian H. Waters talking about um, Jason Jordan apparently having a setback with his recovering from his neck injury and doesn't look like he'll be wrestling again. Yeah, but they got him working backstage. So, you hate to see somebody have to go out on like that. You'd rather see them go out on their own terms, but sometimes it doesn't work like that. So, yes, I do see Matt Hardy having a successful career as a producer as opposed to an in-ring performer. Got two questions here from newcomer to the group, Mike McNulty, which I got to give you credit, my friend. First off, welcome to to the Shark Attack, and, of course... These are some damn good questions that you put here, so killer first impression, my friend. Alright, first question. With the rumors that WWE is planning to pair Paul Heyman with Kevin Owens, do you view this as something that both men can benefit from? Would you rather see Heyman working with another talent on the roster? Here's the thing. I've been a fan of Kevin Owens since his days as Kevin Steen in Ring of Honor and in in the indies. I've always thought he was a good enough mouthpiece to where he didn't need anybody else. But having a guy like Paul Heyman is definitely... It doesn't hinder anybody. I mean, given there have been some guys that he was paired with where it didn't work, but Paul Heyman's good, but he can't work miracles. Look at Ryback for an example on that one. Now, I do see some kind of repackaging, retooling, some kind of change for Kevin Owens. Because he's kind of been floundering, and I think that that's bad for him, and I want to see him succeed. I want to see him do more than what he's doing right now. So, in all honesty, I'm all in favor of this, and as far as the other part of the question, I've tried to think of who else I could see as another talent that I think would fit a guy like Paul Heyman? I can't think of anybody. I mean, I know Finn Balor needs something, but I don't think having a guy like Paul Heyman is going to help matters much. And to Mike's next question, any chance Neville might appear at All In? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Heading into All In, that's, I mean, it's a pretty impressive milestone for indie wrestling with that one. Now, do I, do I think there's a chance of it? I actually think I do. I 
do think that there's a chance we'll see Adrian Neville show up at All In. I mean, now that he's no no longer under contract with WWE, I think at this point it's fair game. I mean, there's no telling where he'll end up, but he'll definitely end up somewhere. I mean, and I think, you know, him going to the Indies and wrestling in All In, Ring of Honor, or New Japan. I think that's the best thing that could happen for him. I think it could revitalize him, and I think that this is going to be a welcome change for him, and the change of environment wouldn't hurt him. So I definitely would not be surprised if we saw that happen. And that, people, is from the mouth of the shark. And that is also the close of the show. I want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, check me out on YouTube, and, of course, on on Podbean. Also, make sure that you um, follow me on Twitter, at SeanimusPrime81. And also, join join my groups, The Shark Attack, and, and also Variety Bites. And it's, op- it's open forums, so anybody can join in on that one. And that's all I got, and... Coming up, I'll have another episode of Variety Bites. Got a lot to talk about on that one. In the meantime, people, I want to thank you guys again for listening and, of course, for downloading this show. This has been The Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams, and I am out of here. You guys have a good night now.